I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter number 9. We've just come out of chapter number 8 where we see that Christ priesthood is superior to the Aaronic priesthood. And there was a list of reasons why that was. Now we come into chapter 9 and the first 14 verses. And we're going to see the difference between the human sanctuary and the heavenly sanctuary. And we're going to find out the imperfectness of the one and the perfectness of the other. But the big theme that will come out of all this is the, the uh, human side was just pictures and types of things that would be fulfilled in Christ. And that the blood of Christ would be so different than the blood of goats and bulls and lambs and all that in that this was the perfect blood that could take away the sin of the world so uh, the blood of Christ and the redemption that we have in him is seen here in the better sacrifice and the better tabernacle so as we look at the first 10 verses we look at the human sanctuary and when we look at it The first thing I want you to notice in the second part of verse 1, it was a worldly or an earthly uh, tabernacle, a sanctuary. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinance the divine service and a worldly sanctuary. The idea of that is it was visible and it was made out of man-made materials and it was earthly. It was suitable for the world at that time. Okay, so it was a worldly or an earthly tabernacle. Secondly, it did have ordinances of divine service. Now, this is not two separate words where you would see the word divine as being that of God and service. It is a compound word that literally carries the idea with it of a service as a slave for the divine for the for the lord it's a worship of him it's you're doing the service for him it's ministration to god so they were to do this in such a way as to render to god a service of divineness that would become pictures as you will see in just a moment The other thing is it was inferior and temporary. It was inferior and temporary. When we look at chapter uh, 
9, verse number 8, the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was standing. Back in chapter 8, we read, in that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxes old is ready to vanish away. It was a inferior and temporary place. But it did carry pictures. And we will see two places of this sanctuary, this earthly tabernacle that it talks about. Now, there was an outer court, and, and it doesn't deal with that. It deals with going through the curtain into the holy place. And then there was a curtain to the holy of holies, or sometimes known as the most holy place. And it says in verse number 2, For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein, this is the holy place, was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary, or the holy place. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is the holiest of all, the most holy, or the holy of holies, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded the tables of covenant, and over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we can now not speak particularly. Now, what we're going to do is just kind of briefly go through these. First, let me give you the what furniture is here, and, and it's not all listed here, but what is listed here in the, the divisions. The first is the holy place where we see the candlestick and the table of showbread. Okay, This is a designated place, and we come in, and we see that there is the candlestick, the table, and showbread. The showbread consisting of of 12 cakes representing the 12 tribes of Israel kept always on the table as a perpetual memory or reminder to God's people that he has made a promise. He has made a covenant with them. Okay. Now, when we go and look at this in the sense of the type of Christ, then we are looking at the fellowship we have around Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life. Okay? So we see that the bread represents the bread of life. Now, we see the candlestick. Now, you got to understand, there were no windows in here. So it was the only way they could see in that place. And when we look and see what picture that would be, we see that it portrays Jesus as the light of the world. And, of course, John's Gospel talks about Jesus being the light of the world. And when you look at that word light in the Greek, it means the very source of light. Later on, he said, ye are the light of the world. And the word light there is light carrier. He's still the source. We carry the source. We're the, we carry the light. And we are to let our light so shine before men that they may see, yes, our good works. But when they do, because of the light that's radiating from the source, that they will glorify our Father, which is in heaven. 
So everything we do should be to shed light on that which glorifies God and tells people that it glorifies God. Okay? So we see that there is an illumination and a light. And Leah reminds you that this was done with oil and the oil of the Holy Spirit enlightens us. And we see in the Bible the enlightenment of our eyes and the understanding being opened and the Holy Spirit guiding us into all truth and teaching us all truth. Then the next thing we do is we go into the Holy of Holies where we come across the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant and the golden pot with manna, Aaron's rod that budded, the tables of the covenant and the cherubims. As we come into this place, which was separated by a veil, we find that we have entered the Holy of Holies. And we see that these things have representations as well. We see that the golden altar of incense, it is the prayer, or the prayer altar, which Christ, who is one of our intercessors, because the Bible says very clearly in Romans 8:34 that Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us, and up above in verse 26, the Holy Spirit is also interceding for us. But he is before God the Father with our prayers. And then we see the manna, which is the bread from heaven. It is Christ who freely gave himself so that we could have, through faith in him, eternal life. And just as the manna satisfied the people, Jesus Christ is the true satisfaction for you and I. And thy word, okay, the word of God, thy words were found and I did eat them, Jeremiah said. And we know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. We, we just don't eat the physical food. We eat the spiritual food. And that is something that this represents. Aaron's rod, it budded. And so it was fruitful. It, it, it sprung life. So out of that, the picture comes the resurrection and new life and the fruitfulness of that new life. And Jesus Christ is the first fruits of them that slept, meaning he's the first to get up in this glorified body. And one day there will be a resurrection. While we can be fruitful Christians down here, there will one day be the resurrection and we will be changed from this vile body. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that word twinkling literally means an atom of time. It's going to be so fast. It's more than the blink of an eye. We will be out of here so fast that it will be incredibly mind-blowing. And then the mercy seat. You know, and I believe when Christ died, he took the blood up to heaven and placed it on the mercy seat. And there the blood took care of our sins. In the Old Testament, all it could do was cover sin for another year. But Christ removed it. He has broken the chains. The bondage has been taken care of. We have been paid in full by the blood of the Lamb. That's what Paul said in Romans 3.25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his 
blood to declare his righteousness. That's justification. Declared righteous for the remission, removal of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. The idea of the word propitiation is the idea of the mercy seat. Oh, I tell you, it just doesn't get any better than that. The the goodness of the God and the things that are, are there. And so we see the... Uh, the uh, golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant, Aaron's rod that budded, the golden pot with manna, all of these things that remind us of who he is and what he has done, the abiding inner strength of the living and dwelling Christ in that pot of manna, all these things, the mercy seat, hallelujah, the golden censer. Hey, hey listen. This is something that we need to think about more often. Then we come to the, to the cherubims of glory, and that represents God's presence. And it shadowed the mercy seat. Uh, over it, the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat. And so the mercy seat was covered completely by uh, of the ark. And it covered the ark completely. And then the soul finds itself complete only in the blood of Christ and there's no other way but through the blood of Christ and the cherubims come and overshadow it with their divine wings okay and so we see the the union there and of course the cherubims are special angels that we see through the Old Testament and the New Testament and it says of which we cannot now speak particularly uh, what basically what he's saying is I'm not going to go into any details of this. It's going to be too much. So uh, we we come and we see that when we get to verse number six, what we find here is it was restrictive. Now look at this. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests, the tribe of Levi went always into the first tabernacle or that first room, the holy place, accomplishing the service of God. That is the same word, that, that ministration of God, that divine service. They were accomplishing. That's what they were to do, the service of God. So it's restrictive in that the only people who could go into the first place outside of the outer court were the priests nobody else and then it got more restrictive but into the second the holy of holies verse number seven went the high priest alone once every year it is so restrictive that only one person can go in and that's only one time a year and that's the high priest but watch this because this is one of the reasons why we're talking about the blood of Christ in this chapter being superior to the blood that was offered. Watch. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself. He's a sinner too. He has to offer that to take care of himself and for the errors of the people. 
the word errors has to do with presumption or the uh, the sins that of ignorance, the the things that people did that were sins. And he made it clear that the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was standing. That the way for you and I to get in, so it would not be restrictive anymore, that it would become a uh, figure and a picture would become the real thing would not happen while this picture was standing. We had to deal with the picture before we could deal with anything else. It had to go away. It was earthly. It was worldly. It had different ordinances. It was inferior. It was temporary. And it had pictures of things in the candlestick and the table of showbread and the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant and the golden pot with manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant, the cherubims. It was restrictive, but now it's a picture of what's going to come when it will not be restrictive, but will be open unto the saved by grace through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And he makes that clear in the first part of verse 9, which was a figure for the time then present. Figure, a comparison, a picture, a type, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect. All of those things, the, the, the five offerings, the seven feasts, the things that they did in the court, they're the most holy place and what the high priest did once a year it never perfected them it never took sin away it just pushed it forward and it had to keep doing that till it got to calvary where the lamb of god that taketh away the sin of the world would be introduced and it stood only in meats and drinks and divers or various washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them, laid on them, pressed upon them, until the time of reformation. In other words, until everything was straightened out thoroughly. That's what that word means. Till everything was straightened out thoroughly. Thus, we enter the heavenly sanctuary where we find three things that are incredibly awesome. There is a perfect priest. There is a perfect tabernacle. And there is a perfect sacrifice. But Christ, verse 11, being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building that he's been talking about, this earthly sanctuary, he has become, as Eris tense, he became it, done deal, okay, and he is our high priest, and he has come through a perfect tabernacle, he's the perfect priest, and he is the perfect tabernacle that's not been made by hands. 
That is to say, not of this building. Now, we see in that verse, the perfect priest and tabernacle. Verses 12 through 14, we see the perfect sacrifice. Neither by the blood of goats and calves. That's not what he did. That's what they did back in the day. But that's not what he did. But by his own blood. Listen carefully. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. He entered once. And it literally means once for all. Done. Done deal. It is a done deal. And when it says he entered in, it's in the aorist tense. It's a done deal one time. It's in the active voice. He actively did it for us. And it's in the indicative mood, which is the mood of certainty, meaning this is absolute truth. The writer put it down in such a way as to say it is absolutely certain that that's what he did one time, and he never has to do it again. Having done that, again, it says, having obtained aorist tense, and it's in the middle voice, eternal redemption for us. He did it. We get in because he did it. We couldn't do it. It wasn't active voice we got in. It's middle voice he got us in through the blood that he shed once and our faith in him. Now he makes the argument, for if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean sanctifier to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscious from dead works to serve the living God. Wow. Christ comes and he sheds his blood once and for all. And he says, and if it was the blood of goats and all that could do anything for you, if it was sufficient to push sins forward, how much more will the blood of Christ, when he offered the perfect sacrifice, how much more can he do when he did it once for all and didn't have to keep doing it year after year after year? When Christ was done, he went back to heaven. He sat down on the right hand of God. The high priest could never sit down. He was never done. The priest's services were never done. They were never finished. They were never going to be finished because it couldn't take it away. It had no power. It had just God saying, my promise is... There's coming the spotless Lamb of God. It's the Messiah. They were looking for him. When he came, they missed him. They did not even look at him as being the Messiah. They did everything they could to torment him and to trap him and to trick him. And finally, they took action and went to Pilate and said, We have heard these things. And when they came to get him through the treacherous kiss of Judas... He did not get taken by them like they think. He knew it was his time, and so he willingly went. 
How much more? My friend, the blood of Christ. And people want to remove the blood out of the Bible. They want to remove the blood out of the hymn books. But I'm telling you, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. Are you washed in the blood, in the precious blood of the Lamb? How much more, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, capital F, offered himself, and I love this, without spot. If you look at that in Strong's Concordance, it says without rebuke, without blame, unblameable, faultless, unblemished. Are those good words? Faultless. I love it. There was, uh, what was it that Pilate said? I find no fault in him. I've looked into this guy. I've, I've examined him. I find no fault in him because there wasn't any. But he offered himself willingly without spot. He is the Lamb of God because he was sinless. His Father was the Holy Ghost who through the eternal spirit, because that was the Father, therefore no sin nature passed, purge your conscience. The word purge means to make clean. Clean. I'm clean before my Lord I stand, and in me not one blemish does he see. When he sees me, he sees the blood of the Lamb. He sees me as worthy and not as I am. He has purified, and by the way, it says here to uh, how much more without spot to God purge your conscious uh, from dead works to serve the living God. To serve the living God. I'm glad that I've been purged from the deadness of what I was. From those things that I was doing in life that were meaningless and worthless. How much more it is that I no longer have the deeds that I used to have. Now what I have is the ability to serve the living God. And it's that same word to render service, to minister. It carries the same idea. It's a take on the word we've already used of divine worship to him because of what he's done. Yes, he is greater in his sacrifice. He had the perfect sacrifice because he was the perfect priest. And he laid his tabernacle down, what he was living in at the time, and he was then destroyed by the sin laid on him, dead by the sin laid on him, not by man. It wasn't anything else. But we're out of time. I hope that blesses your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, seal to our hearts the perfectness of your sacrifice and your priesthood and tabernacle. We owe it all to you, and we thank you in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen and amen. This is Pastor Walton praying you have an absolutely awesome week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through. I
been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton, you can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.